Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello everybody, welcome to Clubhouse Ambassador's Corner. So today is our last stretch for our summer marathon before the summer break. So we've got Yoshie van Oostrom. Hello, hi Yoshie. Don't forget to unmute. Yes, hi there. <laughs> Ciao. How's it going? How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? All good. All good here. Looking forward for summer. I guess everybody in the office too. Um, so right now we've got Samuele Heidi Bonanini. So he's also here. He just arrived from, from the vineyards and then just arrived home to just have the stable internet connection, just what we need for the clubhouse session. All right. So before I begin, I'm just happy to say that our Clubhouse Ambassador's Corner is one of the favorite shows on Italian Wine Podcast. So this show is going to be recorded and it'll be up sometime in this month, August, for Italian Wine Podcast listeners. So Yoshi is our Italian Wine Ambassador and Italian Wine Scholar. She's an Italian sommelier with eyes specialized in organic, biodynamic, and especially natural wines. Offering consulting, education, tastings, scouting tours, and events since 2007 for both the Dutch market and internationally. Her company was first called Profondo Raisin, and now she renamed it as Divino Natura. She has a love for Italy ever since 1987. That was very, very long ago. And actually, you're very fluent in Italian. I'm really impressed when I met you back in Dia. And that explains perhaps. So she's into Italian. Italian wine since 1994 and on a mission to discover all the great varieties ever since. Yes, uh, that's correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a big mission, but... <laughs> Yes, eventually. I'm, I'm progressing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, so I'll continue on. I'll go through some of the important parts. Uh, she lived in Rome and she studied and lived in Florence and later on in Liguria. Is there where you met Heidi in Liguria when you went yes. there? Oh, yes. okay. And then uh, she toured every main wine region in 2014, 2016. And she lived in Liguria till March 2019 and went back to the Netherlands. And she organized the first Italian natural wine fair in Utrecht 
in August 2019. So you've got a very long biography here, but I'm not going to take up your time for the interview with Heidi. So yeah, tell us first, why did you select Heidi Bonanini as your favorite producer? Well, first, it's really hard for me to choose a favorite producer since I know so many and like the question, what's your favorite wine or grape? I don't have one. I mean, there are lots. But since I lived in Liguria, and it's very dear and special to my heart, and especially the area where Heidi lives and works, I feel like he's a big example in so many ways. Uh, I almost get emotional now because he does so much for, for the territory, for you know, recovering grapes that were lost, uh, recovering the land, rebuilding the dry stone walls. The list is very long and it's so impressive. And when you come there, it's like you can't grasp until you are actually there, how steep the slopes are, everything. And then he makes wonderful wines in very different ones also from the famous Chacatra to, of course, the, the whites and the Vino Bianco, Cinque Terre, and many more also some even more rare reds, Pasito and uh, wines made in Amfra. So he's about tradition, reviving tradition, but also experimenting with uh, different styles of wood, different styles of Amfra. And then he has this big heart and takes on a migrant Mustafa who teach how to work in the vineyard, how to build the dry stone walls, how to make wine. And now this has this whole project, Vino Migrante, where they are recuperating old vines and making a chacadra out of it and teaching new migrants how to do this work. And the list goes on and on. So that's why. That's really emotional and sincere. And I, I suppose that Heidi is a very inspiring winemaker. Thank you for sharing yes. Heidi with us. And uh, what are the learning objectives that we should expect from the interview? Well, of course, there is this theme called heroic winemaking. I know Heidi doesn't like to be called heroic, but if there is anyone that is truly heroic in the way makes wine but not only uh, then for me it's him but also you know Chaketra people have read about it have heard about it but we'll get into it and the difficulty of winemaking there the, the forgotten grape varieties that he has recovered so we're talking really geeky stuff here uh, wines made in amphora and the differences etc Okay, looking forward. And I'm sure our Italian wine ambassadors here are also looking forward to it. And so last question is, how did you discover the wines of La Posa? I was actually thinking about that uh, because when I first toured around in Italy and I visited the Cinque Terre, he was not yet on my list because he didn't show up. I even had a book about Cinque Terre winemakers, but he was not in there. So I only discovered him when I actually lived there and started visiting him on various occasions. You know, I helped with the, once with the harvesting, which was awesome. So we met on many wine fairs. Okay, so right now I'm going to meet myself and I will leave the floor to you. And yeah. 
So, yeah, I have to introduce Heidi a little bit more, but I think I already did some in the first introduction why I chose him as a favorite winemaker. I have some teams myself, like uh, old vines, uh, recuperated vines. I'm really in, uh, in awe of, of, of those winemakers that try to do that. And Heidi is definitely one of them. And then there's this thing with rare grape varieties and they don't get much rarer than the list that uh, Heidi has. He cultivates about 19 different ones. Well, we all know Bosco because it's in the DSC. And in our book, uh, Albarola, of course, and Vermentino, but who knows, Rosese Bianco, uh, Rosese Rosso, Picabon, Caniolo is more uh, well-known in Tuscany, Bonamico, he makes a nice red with a combination, also rosé. Then there is Regina Bianca. Well, I never even heard of that one. Barbarossa, Galletta Bianca. Well, there's many truly rare varieties going on here. So Heidi started winemaking when he was 16, 2004. From the start, he made what he calls Vini Puliti, would say clean wines, no chemicals used in the vineyard and in the cellar, which is not easy anyway, but especially in the area where where he is working. He is in uh, Rio Maggiore, to be exact, in the Cinque Terre, in the province of La Spezia, in the region of Liguria, as we already said. The rebuilding of those dry stone walls, that's really a thing. I think he has like more than two kilometers and it's an amazing task. I actually went to see some people that did like, uh, they showed how to do it. So I got an idea. He won the prize Slow Wine, uh, named him Sustainable Viticulture of the Year 2023. And Wine Mac named him Best Winery of Northern Italy also for this year. Then there's lots of medals going on from Vini Extremi to the Concours Mondial in Brussels. He right now has about five hectares. Four of them are in the Cinque Terre. His winery is called La Possa, and that's like two and a half hectares, which are close to Rio Maggiore, where he lives and where he also has a cellar. And the vines really go from all the way down to the sea until 150 meters in that vineyard. And it's super, super steep. Heidi will tell us later on how steep exactly, but it's it's kind of scary if you're afraid of heights, which I am actually. And then he has lots of different parcels of old uh, recuperated vines all over the area. And then there is one other hectare that's like divided outside Cinque Terre, like the island Palmaria, which is in the Gulf of the Poets. So he goes by boat to actually harvest uh, those grapes and take them back to the cellar, which is like an amazing sight. And then there are some other parcels in Levento, Bonasola and Santa Maria Ligura. So more up north a little bit. The wines, they are like lots of them. He produces about 25,000 bottles now. He is nowadays working full time in the vineyard and in the cellar and also has Mustafa working alongside with him. Obviously, he's most famous for the Chacatra and he has like 
let's say, a classic Chakatra, which is already rare in itself and is like about 1800 bottles. And then he does like the same thing, but then in Amphora, and that's about 800 bottles. And then he does another one from even more rare grapes, the red grapes that I talked about before. That's 400 bottles. So we're talking like two little gems that are only for the happy few. And then there's even a white Pasito from the Regina and Moscato grape. Of course, he has the DOP Cinque Terre Bianco. Then we're talking a little bit more serious numbers for bigger markets, 8,000 bottles, more or less the same wine, also made in Amphora, about 1,000 bottles, 940 to be exact. Then he has a white from only Albarola grapes, which is interesting, obviously, to grasp that uh, grape a little better, 4,000 bottles. And then there are some other whites, Trebbiano, Vermentino, and Albarola. And then there's also the Vin dai Vecchi Bianco. So, yeah, the wine of the older people, like uh, old style, uh, macerated on the skins uh, and uh, on the skins of the Chacatra, I should say. So that's interesting. <laughs> He has uh, wine named after his son. The name says it all, Principe Jacopo. Yeah, the Prince Jacopo. Uh, he's a lovely little fella, and Heidi will tell more about him, I'm sure. I think it's a big driving force behind a lot of things. That's a metodo ancestrale, a frizzante with Albarola grapes, Bosco and Vermentino. And then there is a rosato based on Bonamico and Moscato grapes, about 8,000 bottles. And then there is an also a rosato frizzante metodo ancestrale uh, with Bonamico and Moscato grapes as well. And then there is a red wine, Unegru, which is based on Caneolo, 50%, and Bonamico, both grape varieties that you find more in Tuscany. But Bonamico in itself is rather rare as well. And then there is another one, Vin de Vecchio Rosso, with the same grape varieties, but also the skins of the Chacatra inside. So that's a whole lot. And now I think it's time to start uh, asking some questions to Heidi. Uh, so Heidi, uh, unmute yourself and we'll get ready to dive in. Yes, yes, I'm ready. Okay, that was a long introduction. <laughs> I had many questions lined up for you. Can you tell us something, uh, maybe to start off uh, first with the grape varieties? How did you rediscover all these old grape varieties that were lost and rare? My job starting, I, uh, that you say, 29 years ago, I'm very young. I'm, for me, is a, is a play. For the first time, I rebuild a dry wall. Nothing people that have, teach me, but I only see old people near me that work uh, uh, and rebuild the wall. So after I started to take the land around uh, the only three terraces of my family in my land, because I started with 800 meter, square meter, and so I started to study because I'm very passionate of the history of my land. Cinque Terre have a grape from 2,000 years ago, so it's a very long history, one of the more old part in Italy that produce wine. And so we find during, because I, I work before, when I started to make wine, I work 10 years for the National Park, and for the National Park we find an old diary where uh, a priest of two centuries before described 24 different kinds of grape 
only local in Cinque Terre. And so uh, I started to speak with the, all the old men in all the village of the Cinque Terre. And we go to find uh, uh, when uh, some people say to me that I have a strange grape. Uh, I have another kind of grape that is similar uh, Vermentino, but is not. It's another another flavor, another parfum. So we started to make a study for 10 years. With, um, fortunately, I have a friend that I would work for the uh, university in Pisa. And uh, we started to take uh, part of plant and we study the part of plant. It's a very beautiful uh, study for me because uh, I'm not studying the university for make wine. So uh, for me, I starting to know all from uh, uh, this research. And it's very beautiful because we find some type of grape that is from uh, other family, but after many years in the Cinque Terre with our type of land, our clima, they change the plant, they change the flavor, they change the, the parfum in the wine. And so we find 19 different type of grape. And we are the only one that today we have a bigger quantity of grape. And we have one grape that not have name because it's not, uh, never people know this plant. I say that is my gold in my land, this one. Italian Wine Podcast. Brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Okay, uh, interesting. The pot of gold or the grape of gold. I wanted to get into some more like you have 80% of Bosco in your Cinque Terre DOC. How come you have such a high percentage? Yes, because um, I starting. Uh, to make wine in 2004, 2004, I have only my land near the sea. Usually, uh, the land near the sea is the best for make the grape, for plant the grape for the chaketra and for having a good quality of grape. And usually, in the grape near the sea, the people plant Bosco because Bosco is a very delicate grape. It's a good grape that is a, uh, starting from Genoa. We have the first notice in Genoa. And uh, all the people uh, finish to work because it's, very, it's more delicate. It's very delicate. But uh, in Cinque Terre, find uh, a good uh, agriculture because it's an agriculture where the men have to stay every day in the land and stop in Cinque Terre. And for, in my land, from my first year, I started to plant only Bosco because for me, Bosco is the really characteristic grape of the Cinque Terre. Now we find the white Rosese, that is another very interesting grape, but I maintain the big percentage in Bosco because I have inside many, many characteristics. I like, I try to make other wine from Albarola, Ujanku from other kind, but for me the Bosco maintained the really Cinque Terre. When uh, people say me what uh, for me which wine is uh, really of the Cinque Terre, I say the Cinque Terre DOP because it's the really you find the solid part. If you walk around our land, you find uh, many parfum, many flavor that you find around our land. And so I prefer maintain for the, the Cinque Terre, for the Chaquetra, a big percentage in uh, Bosco grape. And you also made a Chaquetra in uh, Amphora since uh, 
several years, I think since 2015. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, I like to try because I have an, an idea because uh, in the 2008, the research, uh, the people that make the research into the sea, and the, they find uh, an old ship that down the sea that is full of amphora from the time of the Roman Empire. They make a study and they find the two amphora that uh, with the DNA arrive from the Cinque Terre. So from this time, I have the idea to work uh, with the amphora. But for the Shanketra, it's not simple because you know that Shanketra is very precious. And uh, if you lost uh, 800 bottles of Shanketra in uh, is terrible for the economy of the farm. So I spend more time. I study before I try many uh, wine in amphora and uh, the same wine in steel or in wood. And then I decide we start in the 2015, we starting with uh, three different uh, amphora uh, of three different uh, material. Uh, two is uh, terracotta, but it's two different cooking. So one have more oxygen uh, exchange, one less. And then we use the ceramical amphora. And uh, we maintain for three years the same wine inside the, these three amphora. And we take uh, all the sensation that we find when we test the wine from every different jar. And uh, we decide to have two. For the years that is more uh, difficult, uh, we use uh, terracotta. For the year that is more simple, we use ceramic. But every year we make one shaketra uh, from the jar. Can you explain the difference in taste or structure between the two? Yes. Usually, terracotta is good, very good, when you have not balanced wine. When you have not balanced wine, not balanced shaketra, shaketra want more time for arrive a good balance. You think that you have to drink shaketra for arrive to the top of the shaketra, you have to wait 10 years. But uh, his minimum is three years before to put in the bottle for having a, for starting to have a good balance. Terracotta arrive more fast because uh, have a very strong oxygen exchange that balance uh, in few time uh, the wine. But uh, there is uh, some years similar to 2021. Now I, I think that uh, is very dry here, so the shagatra arrive. Uh, to a good balance in nature. And uh, if you use terracotta, it's possible that you start into oxidation the wine before. And so I prefer use the ceramic. Ceramic have the 3% of the oxygen exchange than uh, the normally terracotta. And so it's for uh, stop more the life of the shaketra. I like uh, introduce one new shaketra now because uh, it's, uh, it's not arrived now, we arrive in the end of the year, we try to put uh, the bottle of the Chagatra in the 52 meters down the sea. We make the first study of this bottle, and uh, we have a special result. And from November, we have uh, for the market our first Chagatra that is a stay for six months down, 52 meters down the sea. And it's a very special result. I can't wait to try it. <laughs> Maybe at uh, the Wine Revolution in November, you will have it ready then? 
I hope. I hope to have because I come yeah. up in uh, October and stay for one month. Uh, we see to sleep because for one month we don't touch this wine. And after we have a, a panel of test wine with a different chef and different uh, sommelier. And after we can start into sell. And I think that uh, I arrive with the first bottle in uh, Wine Revolution. Yes. Okay, perfect. If not, I have to be on the panel, of course, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> What would you say would be your biggest challenges in the way you work and where you work? For me, it's normal, this type of work. I'm born here. For me, the Cinque Terre is my home. I know that for another people that come here, it's terrible work here. It's terrible only work, not work, work. But uh, for me, it's normally. And... Uh, For me, it's important, uh, this type of uh, agriculture, because uh, maintain the territory, maintain the land around the village, and uh, it's important to maintain this type of work. Uh, really, it's uh, difficult to change the method of work, because uh, it's uh, very steep. The drywall is very high, so it's impossible to change the method of work. It's possible... Uh, have the new the monorail for transport of the material up and down. And now in the last year, we stay to try the drone for give the sulfur by the drone and not in the shoulder. But uh, usually around the, the heroical viticulture, we don't have many new mechanical methods. So we have to maintain the old method. But uh, I think that is really the only method for maintaining the land because I see many people that change the method of work in the place similar to me and they destroy the characteristic of the wine and of the land. About the dry stone walls, can you explain a little bit more how you maintain them and what it involves? Drywall uh, is really important because uh, during the century, the people that live here study a method that is uh, perfect for me because uh, it's the method for uh, uh, use some steep place that uh, without uh, the right stone walls, we can't uh, use uh, our land because it's more... They use a method that is perfect for maintain the water when it rain and for don't go down. Because uh, the drywall that you see in front is not the only one. Behind, there is another one And behind the two, there is a more smaller rock for the water, for the rain. The rain go down and by the rock arrive to the valley, from the valley arrive to the river, from the river go to the sea. Uh, the problem is that the people from here don't think that in the future this method can stop because it is all a system for maintaining all the territory. We think that only to arrive to the 96, the Cinque Terre had 1,200 hectares of grape. Today we have only 100. And the people of the past don't think this one. And this one is the problem of today, because uh, in the past they prefer have land in many different places, because uh, if in a year you have... A, problem in a place you can make wine from the other place today for for 
don't have more problems from up, from down, of landslide, of collapse. We have to concentrate the land. And this one is only the really change than the past. My grandmother that uh, finished to work in the land in the 1970 have a land in 21 different places around the Rio Maggiore. Today, we have to concentrate. This one is the problem because <laughs> for having my farm, my bigger land of three hectares, I have to include 72 different property. Is a job only this one. But why? Because uh, if you concentrate, you restore a big part of territory. Usually, I try to arrive near the rock. In this method, when rain, all the rain go very fast uh, to the sea and without problem for the land. If you walk and you have up you or down you part of land that is not worked, uh, after many years starting to collapse in your land and destroy your vineyard, destroy your land, and after some time all the mountain go down. We see during the 2011 when uh, a big rain destroyed two villages in Monterosso and, the, and uh, uh, Vernazza. But for me, is the time that uh, the people have to, uh, have to know our work is very important because uh, uh, Vernazza and Monterosso, the place that is cultivated, stay well. The other place collapsed down to the village. So it's important uh, the dry walls uh, for maintain uh, in life our village. Yes, okay, thank you for explaining that, because I think it's really important for people to understand. So if you ever, ever if people visit Monterosso and they go to the train station, you can see the photographs, right, of what happened there. It's really impressive. Another question, which wines are you most proud of and why? Difficult question, maybe, but. No, my bigger product is around uh, the Cinque Terre DOP because it's the really wine I study from the first year that I make wine for make uh, a really important wine. And so I try to product uh, every year more bottle for our market. Uh, and uh, is, uh, for me, is the really imaging uh, of the Cinque Terre wine uh, around Italy, around the world, because I sell 30% of my production around the world. And uh, after the Chacetra, because Chacetra is really important. It's a wine that has an history. You find the documents of a Chacetra that have 1,000 years age. So it's, it's important for maintaining the territory. The other wine for me is important, but it's important not only for try that Cinque Terre is very rich uh, region, is a very rich uh, land, and you can make many, many different kinds of wine because all the time when I make new wine, many people say to me, but uh, you produce nothing, and, uh, but uh, you have 12, 14 different type of label is uh, more. And I say, no, it is not more because it's really important for explain what uh, have uh, a rich place, our rich place, because of the different kind of grape, a different type of work uh, is uh, made a very different kind of wine. And this one is very important because uh, usually if you go in many regions, you find for many kilometers the same grape. In Cinque Terre, the same producer, me, I produce 14 different types of wine some years, 
And uh, it's all many different because uh, is the grape that is many different and uh, is not popular. I know that uh, Bosco, Barola, White Rossese out of Cinque Terre is not popular, but uh, it's a really beautiful type of grape that uh, today the people is the normal that uh, uh, speak of uh, Chardonnay, Sauvignon, take the same parfum, the same flavor. This one is all different parfum and different flavor, but uh, from uh, one part of land to the other part is 500 meters. In 500 meters, Cinque Terre change clima, change land, change sun exposition, and change the wine. And this one is the beautiful of this land. Why is it so important for you to revive uh, the old traditions of the area? And can you give some examples of that? Because I think that uh, if you want to uh, have your market, uh, if you want to have uh, success uh, in this place, uh, it's important because uh, really Cinque Terre is a unique place. Uh, but uh, there is many people, you think that uh, today the problem of the Cinque Terre is not the people that want to make wine, but the people that make wine for job. Because today we are only in two that we live uh, only by wine. Other farm is uh, the secondary job, is job in free time, and is not good for this, for the territory. I maintain, I, I make from the first time the tradition of the place, because uh, it's really important to maintain the tradition, maintain the identity of a place. And uh, the first one that uh, every year we start in our harvest is the harvest by boat. The harvest by boat is a really beautiful tradition that from the 1970 the people don't make because uh, the land near the sea is the first one that is not worked uh, and after arrived the monorail. But uh, you think uh, to arrive to the 1970, all the people that have the grape near the sea go down and arrive in the village by boat, by the small boat that we have here. It's very impressive work. It's very impressive. All the people can see the videos that is in the YouTube during one minute by the harvest by boat. First time that I see this video, I cry because it's very impressive. And uh, I think that is uh, really different from other places, this type of tradition. And it's important for me to maintain and transmit the traditions. For this reason, I teach to the people that arrive from Africa. I teach to the, to the child of the village because it's very important not only take for me because I'm only one, but for transmit this uh, tradition to the other people. And in the future, we can see other people that make my job. Yes, I get that. So that also involves the, the Vino Migrante, which you started recently, right? Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yes, yes. This one is a project. I started to think this project in the 2015, but uh, we starting on the end of the 2019. Because uh, we have many problems here. First problem, we have to rebuild all the land that was cultivated in the past. We have to find people that want to work here because it's really difficult to find people that want to work here because it's the more strong than another place. I started to collaborate with the foundation in La Spezia, Carispezia Foundation, and with the Caritas, a similar Red Cross, from the 2015, where I teach to different courses for 
teach for uh, rebuild the dry wall stones or for the, uh, explain the method for working the vineyards. But uh, I see that um, it's not a good uh, two months of course for teach a job. So I write uh, directly this project. It's called the Chaquetra del Migrante. We take uh, one hectare and out together up Rio Maggiore, all together between two valleys. So it's a, a mountain that is not all not work. And so we start in this project with the four boys. Every morning, I teach to these boys. I explain the method for clear the land. I explain the method for build the wall. We plant new vineyards. And uh, from this year, we starting to make the first time the Chaquetra, the really Chaquetra, the Migrante. And from when it's ready, we sell this Chaquetra. And the money is for the school for having new students, because uh, in the time that they make the course or in the time that I teach, they take some money every month, because uh, if you don't give money, they don't want to work. And so it's important for me because we starting to have uh, new people for working the land, because in two years, we find eight people the job around the farm in the Cinque Terre. In the same time, we clear land around the village. That is very important because we rebuild the wall. Uh, we maintain the, the land around the village. That is more important. In the end, we produce uh, a wine that uh, is uh, uh, about the Chaquetrai. All together, we produce about 10,000 bottles of Chaquetrai in all the Cinque Terre. So it's very important to maintain uh, this tradition of a wine that have uh, many people like to test this wine and find uh, that is very special. And so this one is one of the projects more important that I made from uh, from the last 10 years, but is really important for all the territory for me. Thank you. You are one of the very few producers that makes what we call natural wines in the Cinque Terre. Do you have an idea why? And do you think others should do the same? Or what's your idea about that? For me, is uh, from the first time I decided to don't use uh, nothing of chemical. Before, it's for respect for me. Because I started to work in the land that I don't think to make the wine in the first time. But I have to maintain the grape. But if you use some of chemical, you destroy, you take it directly before, because I work every day in the land. And if I use something that is not good, I take for first. And then uh, the respect for the people that uh, eat or drink the wine. And after is now is a uh, 15 years that I near inside my grape, I have the bees. And the bees is very important for all the nature. And so is my first decision that when I started to work in the land to, is not use nothing of chemical, work only in the old method. So we make a compost. We make a different uh, type of work every year in, in different place for having new land every time. And uh, in, when you open my land, you find many, many animals inside. I know that uh, this method is very strong. And uh, sometimes some people that uh, is not interesting to, to, the, to, to the nature for spend less money, decide to use the chemical. Chemical, you know that uh, if you use herbicide, uh, 
uh, you destroy the herb for months. You know that uh, if you use, uh, in Italy we call systemici, is the product that you give to the plant and enter inside the plant for 15 days. And so during the 15 days, if uh, rain and sun is not a problem because you are covered, but after you destroy the, the nature around. And so it's very important for me to maintain the the, the ambient around uh, us. And uh, I think that in the last year we have a new generation because uh, now I have 45 years, so it's not not too young uh, (laughs) than before. And uh, uh, I think that uh, there is uh, a a new generation. In the new generation now there is other three producers that are starting to make the same method uh, similar to me. Other people like to use uh, herbicide, but I think that in the, fu- the future is the clear agriculture. I hope that the national park uh, take the decision to, to stop many products inside the national park. But I think that uh, really the future is the clear agriculture because I see in the last year many, many importers, many producers, many, many shops, many, uh, many restaurants want uh, agriculture clear inside of the wine. And for me, it's the future of the Cinque Terre because uh, it's, a, it's a really a respect uh, for, for the people that work in the land. If you, if you work in the land and you use herbicide, you use pesticide, you are stupid because uh, you are not uh, in the same in another pl- in part uh, of uh, Italy, of Europe, where you are in the car and uh, you don't inspire nothing. You are in the land, you give the product by hand and you give directly. So it's uh, the only method for stay well. You don't use nothing of chemical for me. I obviously agree with you. Does it maybe also help you uh, with the expression uh, of the terroir, uh, making wine in this way? Yes. Yeah, so when uh, when I starting to make wine, uh, the other decision that uh, is uh, I take uh, that is not popular, and but is the base for the natural wine is don't use yeast. because uh, if you want, if you want to give the really terroir, so. For me, terroir is uh, when you find parfum, you find flavor that you can find when you walk around my land. If you go in my land in the morning early, you take some parfum from uh, aromatic plant, from uh, Mediterranean plant, uh, from the land. The land when uh, yesterday is rain. And if you go this morning in the land, you find a parfum that is special, is similar uh, barns, uh, similar uh, the, the volcanic rock, because our rock is uh, Arenaria. Arenaria is an, an old volcanic rock. And you find this parfum in the land, in, in the wine. And uh, after you find the salted part, because uh, the, the salt you find uh, everywhere in my land, uh, you find it inside the grape, you find inside the land, you find between the rock of the dry wall, this one is for me is the terroir. And the terroir, if you, if you give terroir in, in the wine, uh, forgive the terroir in the wine, you, you have to don't use nothing of other than uh, the, the grape. For this one, I don't use uh, uh, from the first time and I don't use uh, the, um, uh, the yeast. I don't filter my wine. I don't give nothing for clear. And uh, every year, we try to use uh, half uh, uh, sulfide and every year we reduce and now we arrive to make uh, in the in a normally here 
uh, we have only one wine that we use some sulfite inside because I see that uh, when you use sulfite, you change some the wine. And so I wanted that a wine, when I, I, I explain of my wine, I prefer starting to explain the season, the clima of the season, and after we arrive to explain my wine. This one for me is the, ter- the terroir. Can you give us an idea how much extra costs you have in time, etc., due to the difficulty of the territory to produce your wines? Yes, yes. There is a, a study from, uh, from the University of Genoa that take uh, three different regions. Take the um, Lombardia, take the Piemonte, and take Ligurian. And uh, they say that uh, Cinque Terre, the cost for producer one bottle of wine is eight times than uh, a normally region, say in Piemonte or Ligurian, and uh, the three times more than another place in Ligurian territory. Uh, because uh, I say before, the problem is that here is impossible to use machine. You have to spend about 1,250 hours for hectare in a year. So uh, is uh, the same that uh, in uh, about uh, in Cinque Terre, one person can maintain on maximum one hectare of grape, one hectare of territory. And it's really because I'm five hectare and I have two people that work every uh, day for me and two people for the season. And then uh, we have people that uh, make the invoice when I, I, don't, I have to work in another place. So it's a really, it's a really hard word, uh, work. And this one is the problem for the future because um, never people, there is people that like maintain the land, but uh, not uh, spend uh, uh, money for other people that work. It's really difficult to think that in, uh, for uh, expanding the agriculture here. We didn't talk about your son, Jacopo, but I know you have him involved, even though he's really small, and you perhaps hope that he will take over one day. Uh, how is that progressing? <laughs> hey, Jacopo is interesting, really. is him that made the Shagadra with his feet from many years, because the tradition wants... Uh, that is a, a child that pressed the Shagatra by foot. So from the 2015, I used my son. And uh, these years, 2023, we decided that uh, I have to explain the first uh, regulaments of the wine. So uh, we decided that we made uh, a small uh, wood bedroll of uh, wine where we explain the method of, uh, we explain the east of the skin, we explain uh, the work, we explain the job for made the, the wine. And from this year, he, he produced the, the, his first uh, wine. And every year, we give some more of, uh, uh, for uh, made the wine. Wow, that's great. Uh, that promises well for the future. Oh, I think that in one month, we enter in, in harvest. I think before, but and uh, I think that in my page uh, in Instagram you can see all, all all the photo of him that we decided that we make this wine and we explain with a, a signature 
which is the, the yeast in the skin. Uh, so he press, uh, start in the fermentation. So the yeast uh, produce uh, the alcohol. So every evening we see the level of the alcohol. This one is the first uh, part that you have to know. But uh, for me, is uh, in the future, he, he can take the fire. Okay, I think we have to uh, stop here. Thank you so much, Heidi. It was a really a pleasure to listen to your explanations. Grazie mille e ci vediamo presto laggiù in Liguria. Certo, certo, ti aspetto. I await you and uh, I hope that uh, all the people that listen this uh, podcast can come to see the Cinque Terre because it's a very, it's very interesting place. You must, people, you must, but not in summertime, it's too crowded. Contact me if you want to go and we'll, uh, I'll help you out. All right. Thank you so much, Heidi and Yoshe, for this wonderful interview. We are looking forward for Jacopo to take over at some point in the next years to come. So if he's below 30, we can interview him for the next generation. So why not? Um, so before I end and I close the room, I just want to say we are on a holiday break in the next two weeks, but we will be back on August 24 for another clubhouse at five o'clock. So it's coming from Asia. Fiona Chin will be interviewing Viberti. So that's up next for this August. Okay, so ciao everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye bye. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. <laughs>